Now, it's time to put it all on the table through mediation. Your host, Teresa E. Keeves, is a professional mediator, here to educate, inform, enlighten, and inspire everyone about the great benefits in the process of professional mediation to resolve conflicts, disagreements, and disputes relating to business or personal matters. Now, here's your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. I am once again coming to you from beautiful Arizona. And I'm very appreciative and excited that you are joining me this morning. I want to say that this is my second show here on TalkZone.com. And I want to share with you that during my initial show, which is titled The Future is Now Mediate, Don't Litigate, I talked in depth about what professional mediation is and the wonderful benefits that are associated within this process. This show gave a good dose of information on exactly what mediation is and how the mediation process works, what to expect during the mediation process, and a good summation of my bio. Now, um, if you, for any reason, were not available to hear my initial show, I uh, just know that my shows are being archived. So I invite you to go to TalkZone.com and look for my show title, put it all on the table through mediation, and look for the previous show title, The Future Is Now, Mediate, Don't Litigate. And also, should you have any questions or comments, um, there are a few ways you can contact me. One way, you can call during the show, which is 1-888-GO-FOR-IT, or simplifying it, it is 1-888-463-6748. I'll repeat it. Is one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The second way to contact me is through email at Teresa at mediation talkshow dot expert. And third, you could call me at four eight zero two eight three seven two seven zero. Okay, now moving along. Today's show I'm going to talk with taking the commotion out of the emotion in mediation, along with my guest, Mark Morgan. He is a mediator in cross-cultural communications. Combined with his experience in cross-cultural communications, he has over 40 years of international business experience. And being a world traveler, he has a great deal of experience in cultural communications with Latin American countries, such as Mexico, Nicaragua, Argentina, Chile, Brazil, and the Philippines. He is a lecturer and a trainer in mediation. And he uh, is also specializes in emotional intelligence in mediation, cultural perceptions and sensitivities dealing with cultural difference in the mediation process. Welcome, Mark, to my show. Well, good morning, Therese. A pleasure to be with you this morning on this uh on this radio program of yours and the opportunity to share with your audience. Well, thank you very much, Mark. I certainly appreciate you joining me for this topic. So why don't we just jump right in? You agree with that? I'm, I'm all yours for the next 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, I would like to start out asking you, what are the three key points you want to get across in this interview? Uh Fundamentally, the fact that, number one, uh, even though we might speak the same language, we're all very different culturally. Um, today, our social structure and our societal uh, ethnic representation is so diverse that we cannot assume that just because we speak the same language, we're all the same. Secondly, uh, I would emphasize the need to recognize that we are different and whether we are open to accepting that or not you can't change reality just because by the way you feel so there's something to be said for the fact of being open-minded and being objective and understanding that the expectation of being understood and accepted has everything to do with you first of all accepting who you are and thirdly uh, as a priority the need to understand that unless we are disposed to communicate in the most adequate way possible we can within our means, that there will always be the need to find greater adequacies of understanding between us. We're all humans. 
yet oftentimes uh, we just assume that our humanity is a catalyst to Im- the immediacy of understanding. Not so. We need to learn to communicate in a harmonious way, in such a way that that desire to exude a need for harmony would also exemplify the goodness that we do have within the scope of our humanity. Very well said, Mark. And I totally agree with you um, on on what you have said, and particularly being open-minded. We need to be open-minded to the fact that Ever since, let's take it all the way back to when they put the the Statue of Liberty there um, in in New York. It said to to give me your humble, your your tired. Um, that that in itself was telling our country. Then, um, do you not agree that we are open and receptive um, to all cultures, and we invite them to come into um, um, our country? Do you agree with that? Absolutely, Therese. Absolutely. In the case in point is is so obvious uh, by the following, and that is that, uh, quite frankly, I don't really think that I know any particular family within the circle of influence that I exercise in that there is not representation from a broad variety of cultures and ethnicities. Uh, we're such a potpourri uh, that we can no longer just make assumptions uh, within my own personal family uh, you know, we have about seven different ethnicities and cultures represented, and that's in my immediate family. So I totally agree with what you're saying, Therese. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have history teaches us to be disposed, to be open minded and objective because we all came one way or another from one source. Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree with that. That was very well said being a historian, but we'll, we'll save that for another, for another show. (laughs) So, so, so listen. So our, um, now you are a cross cultural communications, um, specialist. Now, so our listeners can completely understand your job, Mark. Can you begin by telling us exactly what is cross cultural communications? Cross-cultural communications is nothing more than the ability to bridge within the scope of a language those elements that are going to facilitate an understanding of what a person is trying to say. And and, in a practical sense, since we are all different, what I try to do is to try to bridge those commonalities between the parties, whomever they may be in whatever circumstance they may be under, because we're, we are, both parties are culturally different, then mm-hmm. you bridge the communication need by mm-hmm. closing the differences and harmonizing the, the commonalities. Absolutely. That's very important. Very, very important as professional mediators because the the fact of the matter is is that America is a huge continuum of a melting pot of many many cultures. There's so many cultures here. Um, uh, even when, as I stated before, with the Statue of Liberty, uh, when we had cultures, I'm sure that it has leaps and bound bounded since then. Very well put. Now let me ask you this, Mark. How did you become interested in mediating in cross-cultural environments? And if you would even give us a little bit of what was the preparation um, involved, like education, training, do you mind sharing that with us? No, absolutely not. Uh, a little bit of history and family history. Uh, mm-hmm. My father is a retired professor and my mother's mm-hmm. a retired teacher. Uh, okay. from, from as far back as I can remember, my father introduced me to foreign languages. He himself mm-hmm. is a student of foreign languages. That mm-hmm. in turn turned into a catalyst to open my experience to other cultures because he moved his family overseas in the early 60s, exposing okay. me at that time to a variety of cultures. And that was mm-hmm. the inducement, uh, Therese. That was the inducement. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really ever known anything different you know it's very difficult for me to understand the counterpart of that which is being in one place all of your life looking at cnn 
uh, as a mirror of the world and assuming that the world is that way. I have, I don't understand that concept. On the contrary, yeah. mm-hmm. my experience has been to travel, to learn other, other languages, languages, culture. That's what I was taught. So just because mm-hmm. you think you, you read a language does not mean that you are able to internalize the culture of that language. So those Absolutely. are some of the experiences that I've had. Mm-hmm. Okay. In terms of my you... personal education, um, okay. I've had the privilege of studying in, mostly in foreign universities. Uh, I've studied in both in Florida and here in Arizona. My most recent mm-hmm. um, venture into academia was at the uh, Thunderbird International School of Business. And I was introduced... Mm-hmm to the mediation factor because very early on in my in my professional career and tenure as a business person in international trade I saw mediating as a key factor in the success of being able to negotiate on the commercial side fabulous fabulous well said and you know I um although my parents did not move us um to um, an international country like your father did. But the thing is, is that we do, we ourselves are a, a melting pot. We were exposed to a lot of variety of cultures because when we moved to Chicago, that's the neighborhoods we lived in. We lived in a variety of cultures. So I absolutely agree with you that just because you can speak Latin or Spanish or or, or, or any of the other uh, languages, it certainly does not give you an insight as to the culture itself. And, um, I know for myself majoring in international business, um, it, it, it was a, a big eye opener for me and a very interesting one. And that's, and that has definitely sparked, that has definitely sparked, um, um, you know, probably why I'm in the business that I am now. Now, Dealing with varying cultures, Mark, um, I would assume one would need to have the ability to speak more than one language, for example, like Spanish. Um, what languages uh, are you fluent in? Uh, I'm fluent in, and of course, in English and Spanish and Portuguese. I understand an additional three languages, two of them of the Romance uh, background, mm-hmm. which are Italian and French, and then a little bit of German. But let me say this as well, if I may, Therese, and regarding this particular point. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because you and I speak English and you so well inferred in what you just stated, uh, you and I are as different from the British, from the New Zealanders, or the Australians, or the South Africans, as black and white is. You know, Mm -hmm. we need to emphasize, I believe, uh, through the fact that we do speak a language that just because we speak the same language does not mean that we are exuding the same culture. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, well said. And we know as we get further into this interview, we're going to talk more about that. But right now, let's talk about, um, uh, this, how you set the stage for mediating. Uh, clients that are uh, adverse in culture. Um, for me, when I am called upon by my uh, clients to mediate, uh, where my, um, you know, where I'm, where I'm mediating maybe two different cultures, um, then, uh, you know, I know that I have to set the stage because my prime objective is reaching an amicable resolution during the mediation process. And so I kind of sum it all up by saying, um, this is my uh, due diligence. Um, can you share quickly with us some of the preparation work you do for preparing to mediate clients in a variety, you know, with two different um, cultures involved? Well, the, the main thing is to understand that uh, I'm addressing two parties that I need to establish a clear, well-defined goal uh, of solution to whatever is being put up, brought to the table uh, one of the things that I, that is necessitated is focus. Focus allows us then to establish a structure that leads eventually to a solution because oftentimes these mediations are very emotional in one mm-hmm. way or another. And then mm-hmm. the other thing is, is to show respect for yourself. If you do not show respect for yourselves in terms of your behavior, 
your gesticulation and the verbiage that you're, which you're trying to use to express whatever difference you might have with the opposing party, then it is an, a, a tremendous aggravation to the eventuality of being able to reach a goal uh, mm-hmm. and as a solution to whatever mediating problem you're addressing. Okay. Okay. At this point, uh, Mark, we are going to take a brief break and we will be back shortly. Thank you very much for listening. Do you know that bullying in the workplace and in our schools, whether it's grammar schools or high schools, is becoming more and more prevalent? This includes the rise of verbal abuse and physical abuse to our senior citizens. As a matter of fact, bullying is on the cusp of becoming a dominant occurrence in today's society. For example, CareerBuilder.com survey of 2012 noted that about 50% of all workplace bullying goes unreported, and NBC News reported that the bullying statistics for seniors in the year 2013 is on the rise in America. And the statistics for bullying-related incidences in our schools, well, unfortunately, it is on the rise. And if you find yourself being bullied in school or in the workplace and you need someone to find resolve for your differences with professionalism, fairness, impartiality, and given a platform to be heard, give me a call, professional mediator Teresa E. Keeves at 480-283-7270 or email me at Teresa at mediationtalkshow.expert. Now it's time to put it all on the table through mediation. Here's your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you very much for um, returning to um, uh, put it all on the table through mediation. Before we left for a break, we were uh, Mark and I were talking about setting the stage for mediating clients uh, with a diverse back- background, and um, I know Mark. I just want to uh, start by saying that. Um, when I have a uh, diverse background, um, uh, mediations, I know that I have to call in an interpreter. And, uh, but, uh, in, in your case, in a lot, for example, let me say this before I continue that a, a lot of my, um, mediations are dealing with Spanish so much so that I am now, um, going to be taking, um, the language of Spanish, um, here very shortly. And um, um, so I, I just like to know that you already know um, um, how to speak Spanish. And so therefore, when you have mediations, um, does it make it it makes it better for you? Right. Instead of having an interpreter, it makes it more smoother and more clearer. Uh, absolutely, Therese. Uh, let me say this much. Um, I have those that have been a part of my life to thank for the skill set that I have. Um, and, and, and I thank them for that. And I put emphasis on that because we all have a circle of influence that, you know, uh, we meditate and think about and affect not only what we say, but how we behave. It's a, it's a relevant point because again, you've well inferred that yes, indeed I do speak fluent Spanish, but not only that, Uh, I have the ability to appeal to the colloquialisms and the idiosyncrasies of those who are Spanish speakers. And by that, I mean that the Mm -hmm. Mexicans are not the same as Chileans and the Chileans Mm -hmm. are not the same as Argentinians and the Argentinians are not the same as Ecuadorians or Peruvians. And, And it is important to understand that oftentimes it's those colloquialisms and idiosyncrasies and being sensitive to them and allow you to communicate in a more adequate fashion to, mm-hmm. and convey a message that is effective to your hearer and your audience, even if it is just two parties. So mm-hmm. uh, I say that to to, to uh, agree with you and concur with you that, yes, indeed, uh, the mediations that I participate in and have a pri- privilege of being a part of in foreign languages without a doubt, uh, carry an element of, of, of greater probability of success because of that one factor, understanding that language carries with it colloquialisms and idiosyncrasies that oftentimes will make a difference in the final outcome. Absolutely. And I would like to share with you, um, um, Mark, that 
when I have um, uh, mediations and or when I'm sitting on the bench and I need to have an interpreter, I have learned how to conduct myself in such a fashion, as you're saying, to be respect to be respectable of those that do not understand English and knowing how to cultivate your your talk so that they clearly get it that the the interpreter does not have a, a hard time interpreting what it is that I want the um uh participants to know because as I said it's very important for me that I maintain um, that respect, that professionalism, regardless of who I am mediating, and particularly uh, if I'm mediating someone who does not understand English, may, they may understand it a little bit, but you know, not enough in order to be uh, able to conduct themselves in the way they want during the mediation process. It, it, it. I, I find it uh, fabulous, and I find it, you know, um. Very rewarding every time I have a different culture that I, that I'm going to be hearing their case and or mediating on because I, it's, it's, it's to me, I learned something from everyone. Okay. Um, now you and I both know that there are a number of great items associated with the mediation process, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, each mediation is different. And then there are some items that come with the process. And we deal with it professionally. Now, the topic of this show is is taking the commotion out of the emotion in mediation. Can you tell us what you do in your cross-cultural mediations to alleviate this so a resolution can be obtained? Uh, one of the primary things that, that I uh, established from the very beginning, Therese, is the sense of formality and structure uh, that's related to mutual respect and recognition of said respect from the from the get-go. Um, I find that oftentimes when you set that element of formality and structure, and I don't mean to the point where people don't feel comfortable sharing with you whatever it is that they're bringing to the table as a matter of discussion, but to mm-hmm. the point that they understand that the process carries with it uh, the need for uh, some structure because mm-hmm. it, it is compatible with the desires that have brought them to the table in the first place, which is to is, find a resolution. Exactly. 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 And that's the thing about it. A lot of um, people don't understand that, uh, you know, just because you may have a culture that does not speak English, does that mean that you go off and do something far, far differently as if you were having an English-speaking participant in your mediation session? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I do the same thing, whether it's English, Spanish, Portuguese, whatever language and whatever the circumstance, uh, I establish that from the get-go. Because the other thing, too, is that we have to remember, Therese, that you mm-hmm. and I and our fellow colleagues out there in our audience this morning are are exemplifying a personal commitment to finding a resolution to the problem that they are bringing to the table. And instead of making it uh, a bigger problem in terms of, of allowing emotions to aggravate the finding and determination of a solution, you contribute mm-hmm. by mediating through your personal commitment, uh, it's a hands-on affair. It is not an affair where you just stand back and let parties go at each other. It's a personal yeah. commitment. Mm-hmm. And, and when people see that in you, then I sense that they're willing to also make the necessary changes and adaptations that are required to find a solution at that particular time. Absolutely. Because you and I have a, a great deal of, of education. We share that and we continue our education in this profession because I can truly speak for myself that this is my love. I love, love, love doing professional mediation. And and when I see the onset of commotion and emotion in my mediation pre- process, I have the, you know, the capability of recognizing it 
And, um, you know, I can step in there because as you stated earlier, um, it is very important to know, to let the individuals know that you have the wherewithal, I'm going to say, to handle the, the, the situation, to handle the mediation. And you're absolutely correct. When you, when you go in from your very first opening statement is where I command, um, that respect. I let them know that I know what I'm doing. I give them, um, a brief summation of my background so that they are comfortable in knowing that this is not going to be a waste of their time or their money or their efforts. So it's very, very important. It sounds like that's very important to you as well. Oh, absolutely, Therese. Uh, because, uh, I mean, it, there's a practical side to this. And the practical mm-hmm. side, Therese, is that when you're dealing with, with, uh, sexual harassment, you're dealing with, uh, you know, extreme commercial differences, divorces, uh, domestic violence, you know, these are highly, highly emotionally aggravating concerns that people Mm -hmm. have. So, you know, you are, you either do one of two things. You either let them go at each other, which God forbid, or you establish some, some parameters that are going to allow you to find a solution. And that is why I say it's a personal commitment because nobody is inferring that it's easy. It's very difficult at times. It, It is. Absolutely. It can be. It can be very difficult at times. You, we may have to, <clears throat> each mediation, as you know, excuse me, is different. There is never a mediation that's the same. I have to make sure that I clarify that with individuals because a lot of people, um, whether they're in mediation or we're just talking about mediation in general, will say to me, um, you know, well, you know, it, it, it has to be easy because it's all the same. And I'm like, no, it, it is not. It, it is not an easy task. It is one that you have to um, look at. You have to um, cultivate uh, varying um, uh, things that you're going to talk about so that people can resolve their issues. Because my, pre- my, my main premise is that I don't want to have a mediation that's going on for the next, you know, we got to meet three or four or five times. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, um, yeah, the hope is, is that we can, this is something that we can do in, um, you know, um, in a shorter amount of time as possible because it, it helps, um, individuals, as you know, um, to, uh, distinguish any, any, uh, negativity that has come forward for them because that definitely does impair, um, us moving forward in our life. I would like to say to all the listeners, um, out there, Mark and I have a very good, um, conversation, um, going on. And um, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to give us a call at uh, Talk Zone. That number is one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. Okay, Mark, we we're going to need to take a, a break here shortly, but I want to you know get get another thing here started with you. Um, I was reading an article by Resolution House, and it was titled "Guidance: Preparing Yourself for Mediation." It is a, this, now this Resolution House is an organization that's located in Canada. I don't know, have you ever heard of that uh, organization, Mark? I, I'm not familiar with it, no. Okay. I found the, uh, the article, it's pretty lengthy, but you know, I, I love reading. It was very interesting. And, uh, because of time constraints, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, be able to go into so much of it. But I'm, but I am going to pull out one piece of information from this article. And it is the following, and I quote, there are many definitions of the mediation process. Perhaps one of the most accurate, certainly the simplest, is that it is assisted negotiations. Now, what I want to know is, do you agree with this statement? Uh, and yes or no, and yes or no, and and um, uh, 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 tell me why. You know, we you can say yes, and 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 um, then we're going to have to take a break, and we can get more into it, more into it when we return. Okay, I disagree with that statement. Okay, you disagree with it. Okay, I well, with it. you you disagree with it. All right, all right. So I, yeah, it it is kind of a you know a statement that just um. Uh, it, it, it doesn't explain it very fully what the um, the process of mediation is, does it? No, it doesn't. Because it it's much it's much, much more than assisted negotiations. I can tell you that. OK, this is Teresa E. Keeves 
put it all on the table through mediation. Um, your host, my guest is Mark Morgan. He is a uh, professional mediator as well, specializing in cultural communications. We'll be returning here shortly. Thank you very much. You're listening to Put It All on the Table Through Mediation with Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you very much for returning. I am here with my um, guest, uh, Mark Morgan. He is a cultural expert in communications and mediation. Okay, before we went on break, I was asking Mark if he um, agreed with the statement, which was there are many definitions of the mediation process. Perhaps one of the most accurate, certainly the simplest, is that it is assisted negotiations. Do you agree with the statement? And you said a resounding no. Okay, Mark, tell me why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I will try to make it as succinct as possible. As okay. a professional business person uh, spending many years in international trade, I had the opportunity to negotiate. What you negotiate in the business world is tangibles. Negotiating within itself is a, at least in the commercial world, in my personal experience, carries mm-hmm. with it negative overtones from the very beginning. Because when you negotiate, okay. oftentimes there is no disposition, no disposition to give way to whatever is being brought to the table as a want. In mediation, okay. you okay. have two parties who come to the table because they are looking for a solution. And they are at the bottom line is, is that even though they might disagree, they both know that they're wanting a and needing a solution to whatever difference that they're having. You mediate mm-hmm. through the basis of commonalities. Oftentimes negotiations are not brought to the table on the basis of commonalities. They're brought to the table because of differences. That to okay, me well, let, is a big. Okay, is, I'm sorry. Is a, I'm, uh, uh, that to me is is the spectrum that governs those differences, and you know, at least I I believe that that is the contingency that I need to be aware of in in negotiating you know, or mediating mm-hmm. either one. Okay, well, I, I I certainly you know welcome your your con to that question, but I have kind of a pro to the question, and this is something that um um that that uh, you know some mediators uh d- discuss. The thing about um well the way that this organization said that the simplest is that it is assisted negotiations, as you and I both know that. Although we are trained uh, mediators, we no matter what you what you are trained to do in your life, you're still going to take things that you've learned and you're going to uh, multiv- cultivate them and, and merge them and, and mash them into what it is that how you want to present it. Now, one thing that I do believe in negotiations, I do have um, a bachelor of science in business. I have a master's in business. I've been doing business for over 35 years. So I do understand about the negotiation process in business. However, I also understand about the negotiation process um, for the mediation side. And negotiation process is when is uh, takes place during the um, uh, uh, portion of the mediation when you are coming with to an agreement. Because with negotiations, you know, you get something. You know, you give something to get something. You you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. I understand. Okay. Yeah. So that, you know, that's my, that's, you know, that's my, my take on it. I thought it was, you know, a very interesting question. And, um, I know that you and I have discussed this, uh, about negotiation, uh, before. And, well, let um, me say, let me say this, if I may, Therese, regarding sure. this particular point. Sure. Uh, I, uh, you know, we should never use the I, but I'm using it. Uh, and I just, <laughs> and I say that to be disposed to always understanding that mediation of necessity carries with it a, 
the continuum of a learning process. Absolutely. And in that learning process, of course, I'm going to be exposed to elements and factors that are going to allow me to reach greater adequacies, both negotiating and uh-huh. mediating principle. So those mm-hmm. principles, of course, uh, are evolving in terms of how you and I and our colleagues allow ourselves to be open and exposed to those things that are going to help us achieve the goals we want to achieve as professional mediators. So, yes, indeed, Mm -hmm. we might initially have a perspective that is different, but Uh I insist I am not close-minded to what you're saying because Uh I know there's always something more to learn. There's always something more to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what that's one of my main premises is that every single day I am learning something. I'm learning more than one thing, you know, in my life, because that's what helps us grow and to expand. So I definitely understand what you're saying. And I and I agree with that, because in my mediations, as I tell my clients from the onset, I'm a different mediator because uh, I have many goals that are set for this mediation that I am um, uh, guiding now. And one of the big things that I that I do in my mediations is that the intent and purpose is that when the participants leave that mediation, they will have learned something. And I always tell them it's not the same as if it was in a litigation where, you know, you may have a lawyer speaking for you and, and the judge is going to tell you, you know, with the combined of the law and the evidence and all, you know, and all the other things that are presented uh, for your case. When it's time for them to make their ruling, they're going to make that ruling. So um, uh, the beauty of it, um, uh, one of the beauty of the things of mediation, as you know, is when it comes time to um uh, writing the agreement. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing how I watch individuals, how they go um, back and forth and, and we're guiding it and they come to this um, a resolution process. Okay. Now, Mark, what do you think? Now we talked, we talked a lot about uh, cross-cultural communications and, and we know um, about the changing face. Uh, matter of fact, it's a wonderful book to read, Changing Face of America. I read that, uh, when I was attending DePaul University studying international business for all you, uh, listeners out there. But I, I want to ask you, Mark, what do you think is the driving force for the growing need for mediators to know and understand cross-cultural communications? That's a big question, Therese. Uh, which I know to be answered briefly. I understand. Um, <laughs> the, the, the need to be aware of the fact that we're, ch- that we're changing. It's pretty obvious to anybody whether they accept it or not. The driving force behind ourselves and our colleagues needs to be reflected in a personal commitment not to adapt in the principles that hold us to wanting to participate and be a part of a process that brings human beings together, but understanding Mm -hmm. that we must be a part of the process of the continuing of learning from one another. If that as a personal commitment is the fundamental foundational cornerstone of the mediating process for each one of us as professional mediators and contributors, objective contributors to harmony Mm -hmm. in our societal structure, then I certainly believe that we, our contribution will not, not only be felt, but the greatest beneficiaries will be ourselves because we will have been reach we have re we will reach a point, excuse me, that will allow mm-hmm. us to develop ourselves in virtue in ways that otherwise perhaps would not been achievable. Absolutely well said. Because the thing is is um that just because we are mediating a process that we're not learning something. You know, we're learning something all the time during the mediation process. I know for me, um, I'm, I'm always critiquing myself. 
um, because as I, I, I say the statement, I have not arrived. Um, and I don't think any of us have arrived actually, but, um, I, you know, I, I just want to say that, um, you know, for example, uh, a while ago, you know, uh, back when, before I even started being a mediator, um, in the, in the, in the world of, uh, settlement, the word tolerant used to be used all the time. And I'm happy to know that that word is on the continuum of being diffused because when you tolerate something, um, from my perspective, uh, regardless of what uh, the dictionary is saying, when you tolerate something or someone, it's, it's that, you know, you put up with them, you're not learning anything, they're, they're there, but, you know, it's kind of an annoyance for me. Um, so when we, you know, so in order for our culture to come together and be harmonious as possible, because it certainly is not going to change the spectrum of, of culture, um, growth is, is phenomenal, not only in this country, but just in this world. So I, I think that it would behoove, um, us as human beings, um, whether we're professional mediators or not to get on the bandwagon. Uh, with this because it, it isn't going anywhere. What do you think about that? Well, the dynamics of the evolution uh, of humanity in general worldwide is tremendously influenced by the development of technology, the facilitation of travel, the, the uh, bridges that have been established for interchanges, whether they're they're uh, in education, whether they're in language, and whatever area of humanity they might be expressed in. Uh, and in my personal travels, which so far I've been gifted with being able to visit 43 countries in my lifetime. Uh, fabulous. That is, that is what I see. You know, I, I, it's, mm-hmm. it's a little mm-hmm. bit like going to, to Mongolia and seeing a sign that says Coca-Cola on it, um, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you expect almost anymore to be anywhere and find anybody. I don't mean that cynically. I say anybody in yeah, terms yeah. of finding somebody who is different than the elements of the immediacy of the uh, uh, environment there. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's like when you and I walk in into a mediation and on, on the right hand side, you have, you know, some West Texan, uh, limited secular education, hardworking, cotton picking, cattle raising, uh, elderly couple. And on the left side, you have, you know, an Egyptian couple with two master's degrees speaking three different languages and they're not Christian. They're Muslim. So how do you bridge mm-hmm. that? <laughs> Exactly. 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 And, 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 and piggybacking, um, <clears throat> piggybacking when, when, um, uh, you know, with what you were saying about going to other countries, um, uh, my husband and I did a lot of international travel. And, you know, that, you know, was my, was my, um, a major there at DePaul University. I absolutely loved immersing myself in the cultures, um, that I, that I visit, you know, you don't go there thinking that you're better or, or, or anything like that. You know, it's, you, you emerge yourself because it is such a wonderful learning experience. And as you know, you have said earlier, and I'm just going to uh, echo the same, echo the same thing is that you'll find out that, Oh my God, we are just the same. So why are we going through all of this fighting? You know, okay, Mark, we're going to take a quick break. Right now, and we will be returning with my guest, Mark Morgan. Thank you very much.
Do you know that bullying in the workplace and in our schools, whether it's grammar schools or high schools, is becoming more and more prevalent? This includes the rise of verbal abuse and physical abuse to our senior citizens. As a matter of fact, bullying is on the cusp of becoming a dominant occurrence in today's society. For example, CareerBuilder.com survey of 2012 noted that about 50% of all workplace bullying goes unreported, and NBC News reported that the bullying statistics for seniors in the year 2013 is on the rise in America. And the statistics for bullying-related incidences in our schools, well, unfortunately, it is on the rise. And if you find yourself being bullied in school or in the workplace and you need someone to find resolve for your differences with professionalism, fairness, impartiality, and given a platform to be heard, give me a call, professional mediator Teresa E. Keeves at 480-283-7270 or email me at Teresa at mediationtalkshow.expert. Welcome back to Put It All on the Table Through Mediation. Here again, Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you so much. I, you know, uh, we're, we're coming um, to the end of my interview um, here with Mark. And I just would, you know, like to reiterate that it is so important that we collectively as human beings learn how to um, understand each other's cultures. And um, this will overall help us to expand ourselves in knowledge and it will definitely eliminate and, and or just diminish um, the manner in how we resolve our differences. And, you know, Mark, one thing I always say is that, it, you know, perhaps if we, you know, mediation has been around for a long, long time, hasn't it not, Mark? It's been around for a long, long time. But the thing is, is that, um, in recent years, it is now becoming more prevalent because, as I stated in my initial show, the courts are being so clogged with um, cases that they're they're looking at other alternative measures for um, helping in, individuals to to um, you know disfuse their issues. So, Mark, I want to say this certainly was a great interview. I know that um, our listeners have learned. Um, a lot, and I've even learned some things, and you gave us a lot of information about your profession, what is cross-cultural communications, and a great insight for the need, and not in a futuristic sense, but in a now sense, that mediators need to be on point always, let's say, for knowing that America's face is on the continuum of change, and we as mediators need to be in step for knowing how to best resolve the issues that um, the, the individuals, a.k.a. our melting pot of society, and so that we can all get along together better. Do you agree with that, Mark? I agree. Certainly, I agree. Um, and again, I, I agree on the basis of understanding that whether we are readily accepting of the changes that our societal structure is presently undergoing by the influx of diversity expressed in and uh, means of ed- of secular education, religion, language, uh, fundamental behavioral patterns of interaction, uh, all of those things certainly uh, are a definitive expression of change. We need to broaden our minds and quit looking at CNN. And I don't mean that is, cynically. Is that, no, 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 no. I <laughs> listen. I totally agree because that is so biased. And, and, and one of the things that the reasons that our country and or individuals alike, um, when they're resolving their differences or their viewpoint, their viewpoints are very biased. They're not unbiased. They're not looking at it from a broad spectrum. They're just looking at one way with blinders on. I totally agree with you, Mark. Well, once again, Mark, thank you so much for being my guest, and I will have you on again. If any of you would like to contact Mark, you can do so at 480-240-0063. Is that the correct number, Mark? That's the correct number, yes. And or you can email him at Mark Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, 57 at iCloud.com. I'll give you that again. That was kind of a mouthful. Mark Morgan 57 at iCloud.com. Thank you so much, Mark. Oh, thank Teresa, you, thank it's you, been a you. privilege and I'm, I'm humbled by your invitation and I thank the audience to having been a part of this, uh, of this interview. Thank you again, Teresa. 
Thank you very much. You have a great day, Mark. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Um, I, I thought I just love that this, I just love that discussion. It was, I, I felt that it was very informative. It needed to be discussed and we will be having, uh, more discussions like that, um, in, in, uh, the very near future. I am nearing the end of my show and I just want to get some things out. Um, as a professional mediator, I know firsthand that the mediation process can be emotional for some. Depending on the mediation and what it all entails, taking the commotion out of the emotion in mediation is very important. And it does require skills of the mediator for seeing when it's coming and also knowing how to diffuse it when it happens. As when this occurs, it can totally derail the mediation process or prolong reaching an amicable resolution. Um, now, when this happens to me, for example, I immediately address it by calling caucus so I can speak privately, separately, and confidential with the client or clients who are involved in the commotion. And, you know, because it is up to me to make sure that the mediation stays on track. And it's all, it also is the same for all of my colleagues as well. Remember, the mediator is the driver of the mediation process and she or he controls this process. Needless to say, if it gets too far out of hand with the participants, then I call it, which means I end the process as I see that there is no way to have some commonality for reaching resolution. Okay. Now. Um, I would just quickly like to uh, tell my listeners about something that I participate in every year, and that's peer mediation for high school students. It is um, something that is held every year. Um, this, uh, for the last few years, has been held at the Franciscan Renewal Center, which is known as one of the of, of America's spiritual retreat centers. It's known as one of the best. It's located in Paradise Valley, Arizona. And um, we have this as we... Uh, gather high school students from all over um, our valley and they all come together. We have 215 plus students there and this happened yesterday. And, um, and I just want to say that it's always uh, for me, it is always such a rewarding feeling to see that um, uh, children who are coming behind us do have an interest in knowing how to better resolve this issue. This, this gives me so much hope. And um, um, I was a lead trainer this year. Now, the different thing is that I had eighth graders versus high school students. These eighth graders were from Highland School in Glendale, Highland Lakes School in Glendale, Arizona. And every one of these young ladies was so involved. I am so proud of them. They were so articulate. And um, and I just look forward to uh, seeing them again next year. And I look forward to hearing about great things uh, from what they are doing. I thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to my program. And I want to uh, remind you that um, should you have any differences, any issues um, uh, um, or any disagreements that you need resolved, please give me a call. My name again is Teresa E. Keys. My phone number is 480-283-7270. Or you can email me at Teresa at mediation talk show dot expert next week we're going to be talking about negotiating is a wonderful thing i thank you very much audience and in closing keep an open mind and be safe have a great day mm-hmm.